my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mark Moss Show, where we talk about the decentralized revolution. Of course, talk about the way the world is changing through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. And technology being Bitcoin, the decentralized protocol. Of course, it's always technology that changes the world the most. Now, I am joined today by Mark Goodwin. He's a director of print at the Bitcoin Magazine. He's an author, and uh, man, he's got some late breaking news that just got released this morning that I'm excited to dig into because I haven't I haven't got a chance to go through it yet. Anyway, Mark, thanks for joining me. Mark, man, thanks so much. Uh, yeah, long time listener, first time caller. Great, to, great <laughs> to be here. Yeah, tons of exciting stuff to talk about, and uh, yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, now I know you know you're the director of the print magazine over there at the Bitcoin uh, magazine, and and you've written some articles that I wanted to kind of talk about. But um, you told me that there's some breaking news that came out this morning about regulations, and so I do want to dig into that first. I um, you know, I I went and made some bold predictions uh, when you know the whole FTX collapse happened, and it wasn't so bold that the 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 altcoin crowd, the crypto people didn't like it so much. But I basically said that I think the regulations are going to come down pretty hard and heavy. And I said that I don't think there will be another crypto bull run. And I talked about it uh, as a category. Like, of course, assets will always just pump and dump. But as a category, I don't see that. And the reason why I said that is because I think I think regulations will be coming down hard. And if regulations come down hard, then the VC money kind of goes away. And that was kind of my reasoning. Um, and now we're seeing it play out. So what were some of these uh, new regulations? There's been a lot of them. But what were some of these ones that, that you just saw? Yeah, no, Mark, I think you're completely right about that. The crypto bull thesis. Um, especially with this news. So uh, yeah, the, the NYAG came out today uh, in a lawsuit against KuCoin. 
uh, and stated that, according to them, Ethereum, uh, Luna, and UST, the the Luna uh, stablecoin, uh, are all considered securities. You know, according to this lawsuit, um, now that was released literally probably about forty five minutes ago. So I think you're to your point. I mean, if they if all of those you know ways to issue a token are considered securities, which you know I think the Howie you know it's pretty black and white. I think we can all you know Bitcoiners certainly look at this ninety year old law and go, okay, pretty black and white. If the uh, New York Attorney General is coming out and saying, you know, these three methods of distributing a token, you know, the ETH ICO, uh, this this Luna, you know, pre mine, and then you know, pegging this to a stablecoin, all three of these uh, methods are you know considered securities that has huge ramifications for the you know extended uh, crypto space, if you will. Uh, and I think we're going to see a, a, a very big reckoning in that in that sense. Um, with this news. So it's a little bit fresh. The markets are still processing it, but uh, huge news. Absolutely. Now, um, the new New York, uh, New York has, uh, they, they kind of have their own license called the Bit License. It's been around for the longest. It seems like uh, New York has been the harshest um, kind of uh, regulatory agency to kind of crack down against cryptocurrency. Although they do issue a license, maybe Hawaii is still stricter, but but let's not dig into that. But New York has this kind of history of being the harshest. And so a lot of, a lot of times uh, exchanges weren't able to operate to New York customers, but they could still mm-hmm. operate to the rest. So in the United States, we still have, you know, states rights and things like that. And so New York can kind of do that, but then maybe doesn't apply to the rest of the United States. And so again, blocking New York residents access to these things. But what do you think that means if New York... Um, Attorney General d- would declare something like Ethereum a pre-mine, or I'm sorry, a security. What effect would that have on somebody in California or Texas? I mean, I would just say it sets a precedent. I mean, that's a, it's an incredibly uh, important legal precedent, very influential um, office um, to come out and state something like that. Um, I think it does have ramifications for the the, the national regulatory regime, um, regardless of states. Um, you know, I think. You know, I think, again, you know, code is speech and there's, you know, it's not necessarily we should be rooting for gov- government regulation here. Um, yeah. But when we're in within this jurisdiction and there's very clear laws, um, I don't think we should really be surprised uh, that this stuff is coming. Um, but I do think it will have ramifications uh, nationally. And I think the U.S., you know, banking system and the U.S. economy is so important globally uh, that it will obviously have huge ramifications on the global economy as well. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to just kind of reiterate what you just said there. And, uh, you know, while I have said, I think that regulations will stop this and I don't think there will be another crypto bull run because of that, I am certainly not calling for regulations. As a matter of fact, I'm openly saying that I think the SEC should just be shut down. I think they should shut down in disgrace. I think Gary Gensler should be fired in disgrace. Um, their job is to protect consumers. They've obviously failed at that job. Um, and I don't believe consumers need to be protected. Um, I think if I can buy a gambling, a lottery ticket, or I can go gamble in Vegas, I should be able to buy whatever I want. Um, so I think they should shut down. However, they're not, they're here. And so we have to kind of navigate the world, not as we want it to be, but as it is. And so it's here. And so, um, I do just want to state that a lot of people got mad at me. I'm, I'm some statist, you know, and I want this to happen. It's like, no, I'm not a statist. I don't want it to happen, but, but, but it's here. Right. I'm sure you've, you've heard that. You've heard that as well, but. Um, I think to your point, like it sets a precedent. So like law sort of builds on top of itself and they want to cite other case law. So I think to your point, it, it, it can certainly do that. What about, uh, I want to dig into the ET, Ethereum one a little bit, but what about on the, uh, 
I don't know if you're following, and, and if you're not, that's fine. But um, obviously, the big, big, big case it seems like is the XRP Ripple mm-hmm, case. Mm-hmm. And I saw, I, I didn't dig, get a dig into it. And if you didn't, no worries. But uh, something about some, you know, preliminary judgment. And um, they're saying maybe they might say some of the pre mine might have been, but, you know, maybe not. I don't know. Have you have you looked at that at all? I mean, a little bit. I, I definitely agree. I think it's like, you know, that case will really be the landmark case. I think that sort of sets, um, you know, really, you know, the regulatory clarity. Um, so I agree. It's definitely a case to watch. I haven't actually looked at, it's really hard to tell because the ripple marketing, you know, machine has, has, has a way of turning any, you know, legal, you know, legal, uh, output into, into something very bullish and very distorted and hard to tell what's going on there. Um, so it's a little bit hard to follow. Um, but, uh, no, I haven't, I haven't dug in too much recently, but, um, I think we're supposed to hear somewhat soon. Um, and I think whenever that drops, th- these could be a very related, you know, shoes about to fall, Mark. You know, I think yeah. the, the the New York AG thing is very big. Um, and obviously, whenever we get the clarity on the on the Ripple case, um, you know, I think the U.S. regulatory regime will have will have made itself, you know, very well, well known. Yeah, I mean, I, you have to think, I mean, uh, New York is, is probably the most influential state, at least in regards to financial situations. And so to your point, it carries a lot of weight. Um the ramifications of Ethereum being labeled a security. I mean, think about that, right? So to your point, there's a, to, for, for the listeners, there's a hundred year old Howey test, which was developed for, put together for a citrus grove. <laughs> so I don't know how citrus trees kind of compare to this, but it's not so bad, actually. I mean, if you look at the, the four ways, uh, giving money uh, as an investment, hoping for a return to a common enterprise, um, a common enterprise that has control over how good the investment does, um, things like that. Yeah. Um, and if expectation of profit, I think that's the last. Yeah, one. an expectation of profit. Yeah. Uh, what I know what they're doing. I, I had an SEC attorney on uh, securities attorney on uh, a few months ago, and he said actually what what Ripple's trying to do is they're trying to get these consumers to come in and say we didn't buy it for uh, an investment, right. <laughs> and if you and if you regulate it, you're going to cause us irreparable harm. And uh, so anyway, they're trying to kind of build that case. We didn't buy it for an investment. Like, yeah, right. What'd you buy it for? Because there's sure. no other, can't right. do anything with it, uh, you know. Um, but I want to talk about, uh, we'll talk about Ethereum, but, but let's talk about the, the broader implications of these companies um, trying to actually go along with securities regulations if they're able to do that. I think that's kind of an interesting conversation. And then, of course, we're Bitcoin people. We want to talk about Bitcoin. Um, I like to think that the price is uh, the least um, kind of interesting piece. And I like to look at the development happening on it. And so I know you just recently wrote a, a paper talking about the development on Bitcoin. I want to talk about that. And then and then we'll jump into some uh, bigger stuff about money and stuff like that. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show. We're talking about, of course, the decentralized revolution. We're talking about Bitcoin and the cryptocurrency market uh, overall. Um, I'm joined by a special guest, Mark Goodwin. He is the director of print editorial at Bitcoin Magazine. Um, he's an author. You can find him at BitcoinMagazine.com. Um, just go to the author section and check out Mark Goodwin. So we're going to be back talking about um, securities, regulations, um, the development on the Bitcoin blockchain and money uh, from a bigger perspective. We'll be back with that and more in a minute. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. 
They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure, I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be to be. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. All right, welcome back. If you just tuned in, you are listening to the Mark Moss Show. I'm joined by Mark Goodwin. He's the director of print editorial Bitcoin Magazine. And Mark, we are talking about um, you know this news from the New York AG coming out with um, Ethereum being a uh, security. Um, one thing that I had talked about, and I'm just curious your take on this, um, that you know, I, I think it was actually Jack Maulers who called this like uh, regulatory arbitrage. <laughs> Right. Like they're trying to avoid these regulatory sanctions and they're kind of playing in that middle and they're able to kind of make that difference. Because if they had to file a security, it's a long process. It's a very expensive process. Um, But most importantly, the problem that I see, of course, these companies have a lot of money because they did the pre-mine. But if they had to do full disclosures, Vitalik would have to say how many Ethereum he got and how much Joseph Lubin has and what the Ethereum Foundation has and what their involvement is and how much they control. I mean, like, could they even do that? And even if they even if they could and they did, what would people think? Yeah, I mean, I, I highly doubt we'll ever, ever, ever see that. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, that is sort of, you know, that's how you, uh, if you want to deal in the US jurisdiction, you got to play ball. And, uh, you know, the Howey test is, yeah, 90 years old. Um, and so, uh, you know, these folks, I think, you know, the U.S. regulatory regime, uh, you know, is, is not doing anything to make to make the water warm to come into the U.S. right now and, and try to, uh, you know, make money. Right. I mean, there's they're threatening raising capital gains tax from 20 percent to 40 yeah, percent. Wow. Um, you know, huge billionaire taxes coming all of this this big talk about, you know, how they're going to try to service this debt. Um, and so what that really going to do is just further offshore, you know, uh, you know, investment capital in the United States, 
So I think we will see jurisdictional arbitrage. I mean, we've definitely already seen it. I think the lack of clarity over the last you know handful of years has driven a lot of these banks to you know to Bahamian Bermuda banks, you know, driven yeah. them offshore, driven them to Asia. I think we'll continue to see that. That said, I think when we do get some regulatory clarity, which it looks like we are getting, whether or not it's what the industry at large wants to see, um, getting that clarity, I think, will you know be attractive to businesses if they have very clear, you know, filing disclosure. Um, all those practices um, are very clear. I think they will come back. So it'll be yeah. very interesting. Now, Gary Gensler, the head of the SEC, and the previous head of the SEC, Jay Clayton, were both very clear. To say that Bitcoin is a commodity. And Gary Gensler has kind of come out again saying Bitcoin is a commodity. It's the only one I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, pretty much they're all other securities. So they've kind of said that. So uh, Bitcoin is, uh, is, a, is a commodity. It it's, doesn't have a central issuer. Everybody has the same opportunity to go get it. It's all fungible. Um, and those are the kind of the main things. So um, if you just stick with Bitcoin, you don't have to worry about all that regulatory stuff. So um, it's a good point. Now, I just got back. I was in uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming at the Bitcoin Ski Week. Uh, Amanda Calvary put together yeah, about 250 Bitcoiners up. came together. Oh, it was, man, it was amazing. Um, got to spend a couple of days on the mountain as well. And uh, it was really cool to talk about a lot of the development that's happening on Bitcoin. And I know you just recently wrote a paper um, talking about that, talking about these ordinals. Now, at first glance, or maybe the, the initial buzz was that, oh, NFTs on Bitcoin. Um, give us give us kind of the high level on on these ordinals, what you're thinking about that. Yeah, totally. Um, well, it's a really interesting project. Um, it's definitely super controversial, uh, which I totally understand why. Um, but more or less, it breaks down into, uh, you know, kind of two parts. Uh, it's created by um, a, another Bay Area Bitcoiner out here, Casey Rotomore. Um, there's kind of two parts to the project. Um, there's sort of this idea of ordinal theory of sort of like, uh, you know, looking at Satoshis at, on an individual issuance level, like a serial number, um, arbitrarily, uh, and you know, uh, you know, imbuing value to it based on a, a sentimental reason of some reaction to the number, or you know, when it was found, when that block was mined, um, you know, when the Satoshi was issued. Um, so that's kind of part of it is this this sort of arbitrary index of looking at how Satoshis are. Uh, issued and then distributed within a transaction. So it's just kind of an interesting way to look at the at the network. Um, and then the second part of it, which I think is kind of more the controversial part, is uh, the inscriptions. So it's this new tooling that takes advantage of uh, the witness data uh, with the block size increase in 2017 with SegWit. And then Taproot came out um, a couple of years ago and it increased some standardness bounds. So basically allowed, uh, you know, this tooling to exist where you can uh, inscribe arbitrary data into a Bitcoin transaction. Um, that data is stored in the witness data, not in the actual uh, transaction data. Um, and uh, yeah, it allows people to uh, create basically immutable data um, uh, if they want to pay for it, if they want to pay the fee. So yes, some people are using it to put monkey JPEGs uh on the chain which is you know it's a, either a valid transaction or an invalid transaction that's bitcoin right um not the use case i would necessarily use it for right but then you are seeing people storing you know 
bannable files. We have STL files, 3D printing files. We got the Yankee Boogle out in there. Uh, we're seeing uh, text, bannable texts. Uh, the Bible was inscribed, the King James Version. The um, whole so there's a lot of interesting use cases in that arbitrary data uh, beyond the traditional kind of NFT wash trading stuff we've seen from kind of the the Ethereum ecosystem. So that's they, a, they 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 can put the whole Bible on there. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Wow, that's yep. a lot of. Data. I think they they split it up into I think five parts. Um, wow. But uh, yeah, uh, you so, you know you could store up to four megabytes, um, you know, up to the full block size. Um, so you can fit a lot of text in four megabytes. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. I, you know, at first it was like the J, the JPEG thing. Right. And, and which, which never made sense to me in the first place, because it doesn't make sense to take a physical object and then try to match it to something digital, you know? Um, of course it just doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. Uh, but there is information, digital information that is very valuable that does need to be protected. Um, it, it, it makes me think of that movie Fahrenheit, I think 451, right? Where they went mm -hmm. around and burned all the books. Oh, yeah. Um, Ray Bradbury. Which, which sounds actually very similar to where we're at, where um, the whole world had this civil war. And so to prevent the war from a civil war from ever happening again, they got rid of all the information. And there was just one arbiter of truth. And if everyone just believed the same thing, there would be no war, um, which sounds sort of like where we're going. And so we can see where it we need sounds to do like that. where we are, my friend. <laughs> I yeah. think we've been there for a bit where we're burning books and banning platforms and deplatforming everybody left and right. Um, so I do think there's an absolute need for immutable truth. Uh, and, you know, Bitcoin is a database. You know, we love it as this economic force. Uh, and of course, it is that and that will always be its main, you know, its main principle, its main, its main function. Uh, but it is a database. And, uh, you know, if someone wants to pay, uh, and they think imbuing this data in everybody's nodes for eternity, um, you know, is worth the, is worth the fee, then, uh, you know, that's their right to do it. And, you know, I think we'll see some interesting use cases. I think it's been, there's been a lack of, of creativity at the immediate. We sort of, there was a big just copying of this culture that existed before. Um, I'm excited to see new culture arise from it. Um, it's interesting. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I, man, I want to dig into some of, some of this. I have a couple questions here. But if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. Of course, we're talking about each and every week, the decentralized revolution. And I am joined by Mark Goodwin. He's the director of print editorial at Bitcoin Magazine. And we are talking about this new development on the Bitcoin blockchain that's not just money. It's a database, as he said. And we're going to talk about the good, the bad, and where this goes, and the bigger topic of money. So we'll be back with all of that and more in a minute. You don't want to go away. This is going to be an important conversation. We'll be right back. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. From BBC Radio 4, 
Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you are listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about the development on Bitcoin, and I'm joined by Mark Goodwin, the director of print editorial at Bitcoin Magazine. And, you know, one thing I was thinking of when, when you were talking and when I first saw the ordinals, Mark, was that um, my first thought, I kind of had this like knee jerk reaction, which is like, why don't we just leave Bitcoin alone? You see <laughs> what happened? You put the taproot in and then the law of unintended consequences kicks in. And now we have this thing going on. Um, and that was kind of my knee jerk reaction to it. Um, you know, and then I'm starting to think, well, I guess let's just see how the 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 uh, free market, you know, uh, works itself out. What, what were your thoughts, or where are you at with it? You know, in regard to uh, that. Yeah, I think I think I'm with you. Um, you know, uh, I I obviously am. You know, I'm a believer in censorship resistant money. Um, I'm also a believer in the consensus and rules of Bitcoin. That's why I'm a Bitcoiner. Uh, none of those things have been violated. Um, by this new tooling. Um, but I agree with you. I think there has been a really big knee-jerk reaction to it, um, you know, because this ultimately isn't the main, you know, purpose of Bitcoin. Um, but I think the, the, you know, the free market, or, or, or maybe more, more specifically the fee market, um, is ultimately going to, uh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, be the, the curator of, of what comes next. Um, and, and just when you look at it from an economic standpoint, this idea of, you know, it's like anyone could always have spammed the blockchain forever and bought up every block. And, you know, of course, someone wants to waste all their Bitcoin doing that. You know, of course, go for it. Sure. Um, that block space was always available to be purchased. Um, but when you're doing inscriptions, uh, you know, you want to buy a full block. You want to you inscribe a, a, a substantial amount of data, you know, above like three megabytes or something. Um, that gets incredibly expensive. Um, and when there's a dynamic fee market, you know, a, a 10x in fees, uh, when you're paying 50 cents for a transaction is, you know, that's not, that's okay. You know, you can kind of handle that. But when you're paying thousands of dollars, um, to buy a whole block, you know, a 10x increase, a hundred X increase in, in a dynamic fee, uh, you know, sat per V byte, um, that becomes incredibly, you know, it just doesn't scale at all. Um, there's yeah. no economic uh, reason, incentive to do that. Um, and so this fear, I think, of, you know, bloating or spamming the blockchain, um, I think just really doesn't economically play out. Um, yeah. So, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. The mempool has yeah. been insane lately. Uh, you know, we've gotten almost like half a gig up there uh, today. So um, we're seeing a lot of transactions, like 50,000 transactions in the mempool. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see how it all plays out, but I think in the long term, it's very unsustainable. Yeah. Now, one thing I like to think about in terms of Bitcoin, I talk about all the time is, is a technological revolution are different than technologies, a technology, like an iPhone, you take a, a phone and a computer, you put them together. Cool. Technological revolutions change the course of humanity. So we had five, right? Industrial revolution, steam engines, and the railways, electricity and steel, uh, oil, automobiles, and then the microprocessor. Um, 
and what what I think about when I think about those, I think about um, each one of those gave us new sets of building blocks that allowed us to build new things that we had no idea because we had no idea because we didn't have the building blocks. So like um, steel, for example, or let's say like electricity. Um, there's a first killer application. So the light bulb was the first killer application of electricity. So it was designed, it was invented, it was created to give us electricity. But of course, it became used for way more than that. And so like um, steel was so we can get a higher, we could build a higher building, right, or a bridge. We didn't know we'd have space shuttle one day. And so when I think about Bitcoin, like obviously Satoshi Nakamoto in the Bitcoin white paper said that it's a peer-to-peer electronic cash. And that's what it was designed for, but it's a new set of building blocks that allows us to build all types of new things that maybe aren't what the original creator intended them for, right? Um, And so we have this censorship-resistant database, you know, if you call it that, a time chain, as as he called it. Um, And what can we do with that? Well, certainly money is the killer application. Um, but like what Jack Dorsey's kind of web five, now we're like, um, hashing a decentralized identifier ID into it. Well, that's, that's interesting. We didn't think about that now, like a ordinal subscription, which to your point NFT seems kind of silly, but, um, certainly throughout history, putting a Bible in there could have been very beneficial or, um, 3d printed guns would be very powerful in a country where you need it. So, um, do you kind of look at it like that? Like maybe it grows out of, you know, money being the first killer application, but now it's a building block we could build all these new things on? Uh, I mean, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the internet of money. Um, it is a database. Uh, it is an economic, you know, unbelievable force. And that is its sort of, you know, again, major principle, layer one. But yeah, I mean, there's so many applications you can build when you have a, you know, a database system that, economically incentivizes you to retain the immutability of the chain and propagate it to everybody and propagate transactions. Um, You know, there's an economic incentive of storing those gigabytes on your node. Um, And I think, uh, you know, there's an, that's an interesting angle to the ordinal uh, story is that it's sort of a psyop to get all of these coiners to run full nodes, right? Um, Here they are, they have economic incentive to never prune the witness data, because that's where all their precious JPEGs are. So, you know, we've seen 1000s of nodes spin up in the last six weeks, um, because of tooling. Yeah, we're seeing a huge increase in node count. Um, And uh, again, all of these people are economically incentivized to store that data forever. Um, so it's an interesting wrinkle and, you know, Bitcoin teaches us so much. We're all sort of, I like to look at it, it as a database, of course, but also, you know, a game, you know, it's this big economic game playing out everywhere. Nation states are playing, central banks are playing and individuals, sovereign individuals alike are playing. Um, and, uh, it really, it's, these rules are just as much playing us as we're playing them. And I think this is just another interesting wrinkle where the protocol has evolved via tooling. Um, and now we have a whole different set of users that are upholding the system that we all want to see the world uphold for, you know, sound economic reasons. And they're doing it for a completely different reason. Um, but they're achieving the same goal of, you know, network security. Um, so, yeah, Bitcoin mm. is, a, is a living thing. Uh, and it's really not about us. Um, and its use case will always be determined by the market. And right now there's a market for that stuff um, and an economic incentive to, you know, do do what's best for the network. Um, yeah. So I welcome I also, all. I also think about, you know, uh, being, you know, the first killer app being money. But then what is money? 
right? Uh, Robert Breedlove has a podcast that all he does is talk about what is money, right? And like, what is money? And everyone thinks they understand. Oh, I, you know, I got my wallet right here. I got a dollar bill in there. I got money in my bank. And we think we know what money is, but really my, what is money is a very deep and profound question to ask. And if you were to say, well, money is just communication. Money communicates value, right? Yep. Um, well, then so would the Bible or 3D printed gun schematics be value as well. And 100%. so- if, if all money does, right, if, if you boil it down, like if you think about it, well, instead of having a dollar bill, I have a sat or, you know, a, bit, a, a fraction of a Bitcoin and I transfer that to make payment. But if you think about it from a bigger angle where money is actually just communication um, and there's all different types. And, and if you think about that, like think about how even communication has changed. I would imagine if you went back to the 80s, uh, well, information, you know, I mean, I guess. Uh, there's books, you know, I, I have the library, I can go to the library and I get, uh, there's, you know, three nightly news channels and, uh, and two morning new newspapers, that's information. Um, today, a kid on a beach in Fiji can post a picture and I get all that information of what the weather's like, what the waves are like, right? And so even what we know is information change. So I think what we think of communication and value is going to change. And so it's uh it's fun to think about although humans are no good at imagining the future because right? all we can think about is <laughs> is better versions of what we have today and without those building blocks uh we don't know where those things will go I want to get into um, a little bit of a bigger conversation we'll get into the the dollar itself and and what we consider money as today anyway um, if you're just tuning in you're listening to the mark Moss show of course we talk about the decentralized revolution talking about how the world is changing mostly through the lens of politics finance and technology. And the technology is Bitcoin. I'm joined by Mark Goodwin, director of print editorial at Bitcoin Magazine. And we are going to come back and we'll talk from a higher level. We'll talk about the Bitcoin and the dollar and what the future holds with that. So it's going to be a fun conversation. You don't want to miss it. We'll be back with that and more in a minute. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you are listening to The Mark Moss Show talking about Bitcoin with Mark Goodwind. He is the 
director of print editorial at Bitcoin Magazine. You should definitely check it out, bitcoinmagazine.com. And uh, man, we've covered a lot. If you've missed any of it, uh, I'm not going to go back and repeat it, but you can <laughs> catch it on the podcast. Just search the Mark Moss Show on the podcast or go to the Market Disruptors YouTube channel and you can watch it on demand over there. Um, you know, Mark, I know you wrote another article, albeit uh, a while ago, talking about, um, you know, a, a Bitcoin dollar, as you called it. And you were referencing it um, kind of in reference to the petrodollar, where the dollar has been backed by, you know, by Saudi Arabia and the, and, and the petro or, or the oil that they have there, basically pricing everything in, in, uh, in dollars. And I think you were kind of comparing that to like this Bitcoin dollar. Why don't you frame that up for us a little bit? Yeah, no, I think you did a great job. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's kind of an allegory to the petrodollar. So this idea that, um, you know, the U.S. in order to fight uh, inflationary effects of an increased monetary supply from the Nixon shock in 71 going off the gold standard, um, they, you know, did a whole bunch of military uh, imperialism uh, in the Middle East and uh, established a, an economic monopoly on petrol and oil uh, and basically created a, a you know, a, a furnace to shove all of this, you know, dollar demand, um, because all of these industrial nations in, in Asia and Europe, you know, needed needed oil. So uh, they were able to sort of offshore their debt and inflationary effects. Um, and so the argument now, this kind of this thesis, and I've expanded it actually into a book that's coming out called The Bitcoin Dollar, sort of this idea that the US government uh, is actually incentivized due to this runaway debt service, you know, inflation that's happening um, to find a demand elastic uh, commodity, an energy commodity uh, to to peg itself to. And so we're seeing right now sort of a, uh, a recreation of that mechanism of uh, on ramps and off ramps to Bitcoin uh, being predominantly US dollar denominated. Uh, huge USD uh, pairings, you know, huge volume on these USD pairings for Bitcoin. Um, you know, strong majority of, of of volume is is coming from you know KYC, you know, dollar uh, account inputs. Um, so that's sort of the argument that you know there's an economic incentive for you know the US to tether themselves uh, to uh, to Bitcoin, um, and I think. What we're seeing now with this regulatory regime and this post-FTX sort of stablecoin war, um, you know, we're seeing the kingmakers uh, being made. Uh, we're seeing the regulatory regime sort of choosing who gets to be the issuers of these, you know, the oncoming billions and billions, if not trillions of stablecoins that will be issued uh, when, you know, private banks start buying U.S. treasuries and start issuing stablecoins. So I really think the dollar and Bitcoin are going to be the huge players uh, certainly, you know, for the rest of the year, uh, and probably for the rest of the decade, uh, and po possibly even even a little bit more than that. Um, so I'm really focusing on the dollar, I'm learning a lot about it. Um, and uh, yeah, I think Bitcoin and the dollar are just very strange bedfellows. Um, and uh, yeah, there's a lot, a lot to dig into there, for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. I covered earlier um, the story that, you know, everybody kind of in the Bitcoin community is kind of freaking out because um, the U.S., you know, is, is uh, potentially uh, looks like they're about to go dump a bunch of Bitcoin into the market. They trans mm -hmm. they had a, a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin that they transferred over to uh, Coinbase, Coinbase wallets and some of the government wallets as well. And so investors are thinking that they're probably going to go dump that, which um, historically they haven't done that. They've sold it off in auctions and no smart seller would ever go just dump that into the market anyway, unless they potentially wanted to come down. So that's probably not the case. 
but then I was looking up um, some of the, you know, we don't know for sure, but some of the government, other gov governments holdings of Bitcoin and the US government has quite a bit of uh, Bitcoin on the books, but some nations like China look like they have like 200,000 Bitcoin on their books. Um, and it's sort of like, uh, kind of like, uh, well, Jason Laurie has been talking about, you know, the strategic interests of a nation to acquire Bitcoin. Um, I think he's talking about it more from a mining standpoint. Um, but that's more of it on a, on its books. I saw, uh, Bitcoin magazine had, uh, Bitcoin magazine on Twitter had put out something about, uh, the Biden admin proposing a 30% tax on electricity used for Bitcoin mining. So I don't know which way they yeah. want to go here, man. It's like on one <laughs> hand, it's, it would make sense uh, to have it, control it. Um, even, you know, maybe if there's a small chance it takes off, maybe we should kind of have it. But I mean, if they put a 30% tax on it, I mean, it's just going to go overseas again somewhere, right? I mean, that's the economic interest. Right. Or it, or it allows, you know, them to create, uh, you know, loopholes for, you know, the companies and uh, mm, personnel and, yeah. and VC interest. Um you know, again, this is the U.S. dollar system is all about retaining purchasing economy and making as much money for the cantillionaires as possible. I mean, that's we've seen this time and time again. Anytime there's debt issues or inflation issues, up up pops a war, up up rises taxes. Uh, you know, and here we are, and we're at actually sort of an economic breaking point um, where now our just the interest on our debt service. Uh, uh, in a year is now actually over our military spending. Right. So we're actually spending more money to pay for our dollar than we are to pay for the military that's, you know, holding up the dollar theoretically. So we're in sort of uncharted territories where, where uh, we're roadrunner that's run off the cliff. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll see who gets made uh, king and, and uh, who gets to sort of run the uh, retail CBDC, I guess. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it like that. I mean, and, and obviously I should have, but I mean, to your point, right? It's uh, king making. You said that earlier, picking and choosing winners. So uh, everybody has to pay a 30% tax except for you guys over here. Right. <laughs> uh, you don't have to, or, or we don't have to sort of a thing. Um, so that, that could be interesting, you know, but uh, to the point that you made too about running kind of the, the government off a cliff, it's like the Fed is trying to, well, not trying to, they have raised rates higher and faster than any time in history. Um, trying to crush inflation, but they haven't been able to crush inflation, but they have managed to crush the government and the government's broke. And of the $31.5 trillion of debt, 30% of that has to be refinanced in the next year at the new rates. 50% of it has to be refinanced in the next three years at the new rate. Um, and so that's going to push the interest payments up uh you know, who knows in, in the, in the, it's right now an average of 1.7%. Uh, that would put it, you know, it's different, uh, different rates at different maturities, but it pushes it between a three and a half to a five and a half percent number, which could potentially take us from about a $900 trillion, uh, I'm sorry, $900 billion of, uh, ex uh interest expense to 1.8 trillion yep. in interest expense. Uh, and that's a big problem. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, you know, we're Bitcoiners, you know, compounding annual growth rate, you know, little Kagar. You don't want that running running wild in your uh, your debt, uh, you know, so and that's exactly what's happening. So, yeah, to your point, I mean, um, you know, we're going to have to deal with that mathematical reality. Um, I don't know when that will happen, um, but obviously we will need to create money uh, to pay that debt. Um, there's no way we can make enough off tax receipts 
um, even with the insanity of the capital gains threats that they're saying in the last couple of days, it won't even come close. Um, yeah. So printing will have to come at some point. Um, you know, we'll see what happens till we get there, but uh, it's going to be a hell of a ride. Yeah. Well, and the other, the other problem is that uh, the expense column is going up, right? The interest on the debt is going up. Um, the spending is also going up, but the tax receipts are going down. So to your mm -hmm. point, they want to put in all these new tax things. Uh, because the, the tax rates are going down because the Fed is crushing demand <laughs> by making everybody poor. And then everyone's poor, so then there's no taxes. And then the tax rates. Uh, so in California, corporate tax rates are down 20%. Uh, statewide, it's down 40%. In the U.S., it's down 9%. That's a big drop. Um, and then I saw this chart last week I was looking at, and it showed no matter what the tax rate is, the government typically gets the, the taxes typically come out to about 19% of GDP. Mm -hmm. So tax rates up, tax rates down, the share is about the same. So the goal should try to be to get the GDP bigger, not just the tax share bigger. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mark Moss show. Uh, of course, each and every week talking about the decentralized revolution. I've been talking to Mark Goodwin. He's the director of print editorial at Bitcoin Magazine. Definitely check that out, bitcoinmagazine.com. Give him a follow on Twitter at Mark Goodwin underscore I-N. Of course, I'm at one Mark Moss. That's what we got for today. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Shoot us a message. Let me know. Thanks for listening. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. <laughs> <laughs> 